Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, including an overview of the Montreal Retro Gaming Festival, the usual news and Q&A, and I'll be doing the first Patreon giveaway, because I'll be doing a monthly giveaway for Patreon subscribers. So definitely stay tuned later for that, but let's jump right into the news and get started. First up is an update to the Neo Geo Pocket ROM Cart project. Saint said that he's ordered the first batch of 100, and he should start shipping them out in about three to four weeks. Uh, hopefully I'll be in the first batch, so I'll be able to send them out for testing. But most importantly, if you want to be on the list, just sign up for his mailing list below, um, and you're going to be entered into a queue, uh, and he's just going to try to get them out as soon as he can. He said it might take a few months to get them out, because right now there's already about 400 pre-orders. But the last time he did this was the Lynx ROM cart, and he went through them pretty steadily. So if you guys are interested in that, definitely check it out and uh, sign up. Next, it looks like the Wonder Boy A Dragon's Trap game will have a physical release via limited run games for the PS4. They said they were looking into a Switch version as well, but they really weren't even sure what goes into that yet. So I'm not sure if that'll even be possible, but at the very least, there's a PS4 version that will soon be available for a physical release. Next, I saw on Twitter somebody posted a link to a pretty good ROM hack called uh, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe. So it's basically somebody took Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo and remade it to look exactly like Super Mario Bros. 1. Um, which I thought was really neat, so that way you get the game mechanics of at least my favorite version of the game, Super Mario World, but all the levels of the original. Also, uh, I'm really sorry, but I forgot who I saw tweeted this, so I always like to give credit, and I just, I couldn't, I went back and tried to find the tweet and couldn't, so I'm really not sure who was promoting this, and I'm sorry, so uh, to whoever tweeted about it, thank you so much for sharing, because uh, I wouldn't have known about this otherwise. It's The hack seems to be a few years old, but it looks awesome, so I really want to dig in and, and try to play through this whole thing again, so uh, thanks for making the hack, and thanks to whoever posted it. It looks like Hyperkin just announced an HDMI NES clone. Now, normally I would never bother with any of those NES on a chip clone consoles because usually it's inaccurate and, and buggy and, and there's always something wrong with them. And you can't really get any that aren't composite or I think even some might have S-Video. But basically you can't get a quality experience out of it no matter what you do. But for $40, as long as this one doesn't add any, or at least it doesn't add too much lag to it, you know, maybe one frame of lag would be acceptable in my opinion, it might be a great stepping stone for people. Because I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you're, uh, you know, you're one of the retro nerds like myself, and you wouldn't want to play on this. But I imagine much like me, you occasionally have people say, hey, you know, you have that cool retro gaming setup, what would you recommend I do if I wanted to play NES games on my TV? 
and then you have to go through the whole thing explaining how much it's going to cost and the different options and you know <clears throat> it's a lot of money for somebody that might just want that blast of nostalgia they might want to just watch mario jump on the pole and have the flag go up and go yay feels like when i was a kid uh and if that's the case for 40 bucks why not beautiful but the other side of that is there's a lot of people i know that love these games because they're good games. You know, the nostalgia is neat, but that's a small percentage of why they want to play these. And if that's the case, if you have somebody reintroducing themselves, or even new gamers that have never played those before, as long as it doesn't add lag, to have other, you know, other downsides of it isn't nearly as bad as long as, you know, in that price range. Because that might just enter somebody in the world of retro gaming, and then they could understand the importance of why you might want a good one with an upscaler and vice versa. So I'm really crossing my fingers on this, and as long as they did just the bare minimum on you know, getting a low lag solution out, this might be a great stepping stone for people. And it might bring a lot more people into the retro gaming world once they realize you can actually have a decent retro gaming experience on a flat screen if you know what you're doing and if you know the right things to buy. So let's all just cross our fingers and hope Hyperkin finally came out with something that I'm not going to just sit here and shit on. <laughs> Speaking of HDMI Nintendos, GameTech just posted that he got the latest batch of high-def NES boards in, all loaded with the latest version of the firmware, and all of those will be shipping soon. So if you were on that last order, that, um, last run of boards that he put in, you should be receiving yours within a week or so, I would think. It looks like the RGB Pi cables are back in stock. That is the Raspberry Pi solution, where it's basically just a cable with a scar head on the other end that you can plug directly in. Um, I will be doing a video shootout of all of the different Raspberry Pi SCART retro gaming options out there. Um, it's probably a month away because I just received the last board in the mail. Uh, and I'll be testing both the software solutions and the hardware. So this is going to be a, a tough one to shoot, uh, which is why it's taking so long. Because it's so many different components that I have to test. But um, I'm really looking forward to it because I do love arcade gaming on Raspberry Pi. I actually had a few people ask me over the weekend about uh, console gaming on Raspberry Pi and how I found the lag to be and other things. And to be honest, I've barely done any console emulating because I just, I'm not into it at all. I like using the original consoles. I'm lucky enough to have them. Um, so I'm assuming that it's going to be very similar to the other software solutions for console emulation where you might run into, like in the Retron 5, whereas some uh, has a lot of lag, some doesn't have much at all. It's probably spotty, whereas the arcade emulation I found to be really great. The people behind the MAME team did a great job. So um, that's really my, my main focus is arcade emulation, not only because it's uh, more what I'm into, but also because it's really going to be the only way we preserve all of these games compared to the millions and millions of consoles that were uh, manufactured there was just only thousands of these arcade boards and it's really hard uh, for people to archive them so i really hope that the software emulation continues to get better it's already pretty darn good um, and I, I really still strongly think that these Raspberry Pi boards are the easiest way to do that. Um, it might not be the overall most perfect solution, but it's something super easy that anybody could do. You know, all you need is an SD card, follow the guide that I put up in 20 minutes of your time, and you could be gaming, you know, with a bunch of different arcade games, either on your flat screen or on an RGB monitor. 
So um, hopefully I'll have that comparison video soon enough. If you're interested in the RGB Pi, definitely pick it up now. Uh, and I'll keep everybody posted um, if any new solutions come through as well. Next, someone on the Shmups forums figured out a cool way to do a low-pass filter mod on a G-SCART switch. So if you have a G-SCART switch 3.4 and don't need the filter turned on, uh, Dave actually posted what he did that... Uh, it's very it's much easier than the alternative way that I was trying to do I was trying to do the mod by using the pins on the THS chip itself which are so small I actually ended up breaking the pin on mine whereas he found a way to just remove a resistor and either uh, jump it to 5 volts or add a, a switch to it uh, and just to reiterate quickly um, the only reason that you wouldn't want a filter on is if there's already another filter in the chain somewhere so if you're going from console into this into a flat screen uh, or a frame meister or something it doesn't matter at all but if a lot of your consoles have like THS 7314 chips that have filters that can't be turned off or if any of your main displays already have some kind of filter built in then you would want to turn this one off it won't hurt anything leaving it on just the more filters you stack upon each other the softer the image gets uh, for me personally i'm going to be building a switch into mine so that i'm going to leave it off at all times and rely on my other equipment to have filters in it or of course you know the analog tvs don't need that at all but i need the switch i need the filter on when i go directly into a capture card because capture cards don't generally have low-pass filters in them, at least the ones that I use. So uh, I, at the end of the day, it's better to have it on than off just to be safe, which is why Super G hooked it up this way. But I'm glad that Dave found a way to actually just do a quick mod, well, a much easier mod, uh, and I'll definitely be doing mine as soon as I get back in front of a soldering iron. So thanks to him, and I put a link in the description. I just did a qu uh, pretty pick pretty quick picture in MS Paint, uh, but I'll probably do a video of it when I actually do mine. Next, the creator of the Atari 5200 RGB mod has shown a prototype of what the next revision might have to offer, which includes a direct LCD output that, uh, so you can control the board from the LCD. So uh, I'm not sure how many people would need that, but it looks pretty darn cool. Um, I actually still haven't even installed the original one that I bought from him. Um, that's on the long list of things uh, that I need to be doing. But his board looks like it's a, a really easy install and a great piece of equipment. So uh, if you're looking for an even cooler mod for your Atari 5200 or Atari computer, then maybe check into this one. Nintendo announced that they're going to be making a Zelda smartphone game. So I'm not sure if it's going to be something like Super Mario Run or or really what it is. There's absolutely no info whatsoever. But I thought Super Mario Run was pretty cool, so I'm interested to see what they have to offer for this one. I received an email last week about Dreamcast online fan work. And while I don't really know exactly what each one of these links are talking about, I kind of scrolled through each, and I, I get the impression that people have rebuilt the Dreamcast online player network, um, and that some people have even open-sourced the code for it. Uh, and I believe there's even uh, work on a Saturn version as well for the Saturn network adapter. So I don't know too much about this stuff, because I never really got too into online gaming, because it just... 
um, you know, at least in those era. Obviously, when everything's networked, it's much easier nowadays. But it was always a lot of work back then, and I never really got into it. So I, I don't know too much about it. I just felt it was cool enough to share with everybody, especially if you're into Dreamcast or Saturn and want to do any kind of online gameplay. So thanks to Cameron for sending me the links. And lastly, we weren't able to do a live stream of the Retro Roundtable podcast. Uh, wherever we were, just the upload speeds weren't really that fast during the day in order to be able to do something like that. Um, but we did put our panel from the Montreal Retro Gaming Festival up as this month's podcast. Um, a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the beginning was stuff that we usually, we've gone over a lot, but um, we did cover a lot of ground based on the questions, because I love the Q&As, because those always offer a different perspective on things we're talking about. So if you wanted to check it out, we have it up there. Um, we'll be back to doing a normal live stream next month. And also, Rene uh, did his panel on his teensy cartridge dumper which i thought was really awesome i really enjoyed that so that's up on the web as well um links to all this stuff is in the description uh so hopefully we'll get back to normal next time but definitely check those out if you're interested okay on to the q a stuff first up tino starks asked did you say visa resolution i thought that was just a mounting standard He's uh, referring to when I was talking about the Dreamcast resolution, uh, and I actually have two things to say about that. First of all, uh, I think everything I said about that was flip-flopped. Um, so I'm sorry I made a dumb mistake in that, but I'll have, I'm actually having a Dreamcast video out relatively soon. I promise I'll get it all right that time. Um, but to answer your question directly, I believe VISA stands for Video Equipment Standards Association, I think. Um, and the VISA standard uh, encompasses everything around that, from PC video resolutions to hardware mounting uh, and everything in between. Um, so, and then there's also DTV standards, digital television, and the differences get really weird and complicated. Um, I'll be going over all this in the Dreamcast video because it's the video itself will be focused on the Dreamcast, but. The in inherent background is that you need to understand the differences between digital TV resolution and Visa resolution in order to understand why the Dreamcast sometimes looks weird on flat screen TVs. So uh, to answer your question, yes, I did. And also, I'm sorry for screwing up the wording of the Dreamcast stuff last week. Um, and hopefully I'll have that other video out soon. Next, Adam Fowler was asking about uh, lag-free controller extension. So whether you use a physical controller extension cable or some wireless solution, is there any advice or comments on how to get one with no or little lag? Um, I have not experiment, experimented with this at all, but I've always wanted to. I even remember as a kid seeing like a Super Nintendo extension cable, and even as a little kid I remember thinking, well what if? What if it's just the littlest bit and I'm at the end of Super Metroid, you know, trying to battle Mother Brain and that one little bit makes a difference. So I never bothered. Um, from what I've been told, using an extension cable doesn't really make any perceptible difference. However, it won't work if you use like a, uh, the SNES um, Super Scope, you know, that has a little receiver and if you plug it in through an extension cable, it won't work at all. I believe that's because of voltage supplied over distance and DC current. I'm not going to bore you 
guys with that formula. But still, that the end of or the point is that it does make a difference sometimes. So if anybody knows for sure, if anybody's ever done any testing, please let me know. If not, I'll add that to my list. Um, you know, now that I'll be hopefully moved into an office, uh, completely moved into the office soon, I can have all these test setups ready so I can actually do more of this stuff. And as far as wireless controller lag, that's something that uh, that's evident in almost every wireless controller. And sometimes it's variable. Uh, I think most times it's variable. Uh, how noticeable it is is, uh, is really um, up to each situation. Um, I personally do notice a little bit of lag with some of the Bluetooth solutions. I've heard game developers, actual people that write video games on modern consoles, talk about compensating for controller lag with the new wireless controllers. So it's definitely out there. Um, I just, I'm not an expert on it and I would love to hear other people's opinions. And to be honest, I might even try to get um, a game developer on here to talk about how exactly they program around it. So uh, great question. And un unfortunately my answer to you is I have no, no clue. <laughs> so, uh, but I'll, I'm, I'm on it and I, I hope to get the answer as well. And if anybody can help, please post down in the comments. And lastly, CoderKind had a bunch of questions regarding Raspberry Pi gaming. Um, so when I do my video, he's saying it would be good if you can cover optimal settings for CRTs and flat screens. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because uh, depending on the software um, and how things are set up, I know like if you're using Laka, there's a million settings. Um, if you're using certain other custom softwares, there, there's either very few or settings or none at all. And some are really being designed to output one-to-one, -one, exactly like the original game. Uh, but I'll, I'll definitely try to show examples as best I can. It's just a little harder because of so many different hardware and software uh, versions that are going around now. Um, and you, he also mentioned having certain scaling issues uh, in a PC Engine games in particular, but he eventually got a crisp image. To be honest, I'm not touching console gaming at all. Uh, I'm not even going to load up a console ROM. My main focus is strictly arcade gaming. And I know, you know, that's probably going to upset a lot of people, but in order to do a comprehensive test of console gaming or console emulation, it, it's just... It'd be like a hundred hours worth of work. And at the end of the day, any one of us can find a decent solution for consoles, but not for arcades, unless you have the space and money to buy all these original arcade games. So for the foreseeable future, my Raspberry Pi gaming is going to 100% concentrate on arcade gaming or really rare, uh, or not so much rare, but complicated setups. So um, sorry about that. Um, and... Other than that, um, he wants to know what the best way to output for a CRT and flat screen at the same time. Um, I believe it, uh, that's not quite possible when you're getting into 240p stuff because the code for 240p out of analog and 240p out of the HDMI port is different. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's I'm pretty sure that's about what it's going to be. So um, I would treat it as if it was a 240p console itself. So you get the analog output into, let's say, a GSCART switch, one output into your flat screen, the other output into an upscaler like the OSSC, uh, and then from there you can go into your flat screen, the capture card, something else. So uh, long answer to a, to a long question. I hope I, I answered everything properly and didn't ramble too much, but uh, all of this stuff is coming soon. It's just a matter of time before I'm able to, to get to all this. 
Okay, time for the very first Patreon giveaway. Um, I'm going to be doing one of these a month, uh, and I really wanted to try to do something kind of cool for this month because it is the first Patreon giveaway. And ever since I started the Patreon, I've either been sick or away, and I almost have pretty much nothing to show you guys how much I appreciate it. So that'll all change soon, I promise. I'm going to have much more videos and cool stuff. But I figured at least, you know, to try to show that I'm really serious about this and I really it's really important to me, I figured I'd do a very cool giveaway for the first one. Um, and because it's the first one, i got to do all the disclaimers. You know, this is a gift, um, so it's... You know, no warranty. Obviously, if it arrives smashed, I'll take care of you and get you something else. But, um, you know, this is a prototype I'm giving away. So if there's weirdness with it, I'm really sorry. Um, and, I, you know, I wouldn't expect something this cool every month um, because I just wouldn't have a way to do that unless vendors start donating stuff for me to give away. But this is out of my own collection. So I'm going to try my best with this. Um, but I hope you guys will like this first one. This is a prototype. Uh, and I'll I'll get to the differences soon, but this is a prototype of the G-Scart Switch Lite. So this does not have the sync processor in it, um, but other than that, it's pretty much identical. So if you already have a G-Scart Switch or uh, the new Lite, if you've pre-ordered that, um, you would use this as the first one and then plug this into the other one, and then that way you could piggyback on features. It works totally fine by itself, by the way, um, and it also comes with a universal power supply kit, so you should be able to plug it into absolutely you know everything regardless of what region you live in. Uh, so once again, prototype G-SCART switch light without the digital sync regeneration, but other than that, works perfect. I've tested it. I like it a lot, um, and I just... I really hoped that I could do, uh, I, I hoped to do something nice to show you guys how how much I appreciate all the Patreon support, because it's going to open up the doors for me to do a lot of stuff I wouldn't have been able to do, which in turn, I hope, means that I'll be able to get you guys a lot more cool content and a lot more fun stuff. Um, I've never done this before, so I took the easy way out. Uh, if you guys know how to do giveaways on Patreon, maybe let me know. But I'm going old school, which is kind of fitting for a retro gaming podcast. I have a bowl. And then I printed out everybody's name that's a Patreon. Make sure I don't drop any of these. I printed out all the names. And I'm just going to... So, I can't see it. Alright, let me just grab one. Here it is. Eric Dillon. Eric Dillon, you have just won the first Patreon giveaway. A G-SCART Switch Lite uh, without the sync regeneration, but with all the other awesome features. Uh, thank you so much for all of your donations. And I, I promise that uh, I it'll make it worth your while soon enough. I'll be getting awesome content up there. Um, and I'll just... I'll, going to continue to try to get better and better so hopefully the first months uh you know we'll just show you guys that i'm definitely serious and i'm willing to give away some cool stuff and willing to give back to you as much as i can um and uh i don't i need your feedback on is there a better way to do it than dipping out into a bowl uh is there rules about people winning more than once in a year um, I, you know, I definitely want your feedback on all of that stuff. So please let me know. Uh, and Eric, if I don't hear from you by the end of today, I'll just send you an email. Um, so thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And I don't think I'll be able to give away something this cool next month, 
but I'll try. Um, and, you know, once again, thank you so much. Last weekend, I attended the Montreal Retro Gaming Festival, and I had a great time, so I just wanted to give a quick run-through of everything that I did and the very cool things that I saw. Um, Friday night, I actually headed out with Cousin Scott from the podcast and, you know, the same Scott who is always the behind-the-scenes uh, worker on Retro RGB. He's been with me since day one on that stuff. Uh, he and I flew out, and we ended up meeting Renee from DB Electronics immediately right at the airport. I guess he had driven eight hours from uh, from very high north where he lives by Santa Claus, uh, and he brought his buddy Steven with him. Uh, we eventually met up with Nick and Steve from HD Retrovision and uh, kind of had, had a beer while we waited for Nick because his flight was the latest. Unfortunately, Voltar couldn't make it this time, but uh, hopefully we could drag him up for whatever the next thing we all meet up at is. But uh, when we got back uh, to the hotel, it was too late to go do anything else, so we kind of just went into a, a convenience store to pick up some stuff. And it's it's funny, because I've been all over the world, and I still am fascinated by all the little differences. Um, you know, whether it's like it, it, if you're in a big country, it's always uh, regional. So, like, there are certain things you can get down south and out west that I can't get in New York and vice versa. Um, but also, like, the, the different language spellings and stuff. So, uh, you know, we have 7-Elevens and Dwayne, Dwayne Reed and all that stuff out in the East Coast. Uh, but I guess they have Couch Tard in uh, Montreal. And uh, the things that I noticed that were kind of cool were, like, Gatorade. Grape Gatorade says raisin because that's how it's said in French, so I know it's really stupid for being amused by these things, but I just, I like the differences. And even like McDonald's, um, instead of having a McGriddle, they had McCrepes. The festival itself was pretty cool, and it was set up a little different than most of the other ones I'd been to, in that some of the other ones are predominantly vendors with, you know, maybe like a game room off to the side, whereas this was centered around the gaming experience itself. So it had a bunch of things that are, are uh, you know, it's hard to recreate experiences. So one of the favorite games of mine is Missile Defense 3D for the Sega Master System, because you get to experience a light gun game in 3D. So uh, Nick from HD Retrovision got to try that out for the first time, and it's one of the ones I always really loved, just because it's, like, you'll never be able to emulate that perfectly. Um, and also things like they had a full Commodore 64 setup, where uh, I remember stuff like that, but I'm sure there's a younger generation out there, maybe around the time of people who would have been predominantly N64 gamers, might not have seen a full setup like that, and you know the the computer and the keyboard type of thing. And I also got to see a Sega STV board, which I'd never I, I'd seen the games before, but I'd just never seen a consoleized version. But the things that I really loved were the stuff that I, I'd never thought I would have ever seen in person, like the Game Boy sewing machine. That one was definitely like a, whoa, what the heck type of type of thing. Uh, I thought that was really neat, and I'd never seen one in person, and I forgot it even existed. Um, I also got to see a full Satellaview setup for the Super Famicom, um, and obviously, you know, you couldn't play it fully because you would need a Japanese satellite broadcast, but it was neat to see the interface, to see you be able to, to walk around town, and how they had this strange uh, AC L-shaped adapter, to, so you plug the power into the Satellaview, and then you plug that into the back, it's kind of neat. Um, and there was also a bunch of cool people there. Uh, I met one guy, Francis, who did a Game Gear start button board, which I hope that, uh, that he'll be able to start selling soon, because for people who do consoleized Game Gears, um, a lot of times you put a, a controller port at the bottom, 
and you could only use a master system controller or a modded Genesis controller. And even with that, the start button doesn't work. With his board, you could just plug in a Genesis controller, and not only do you not need to mod it, but the start button will work, which I thought was awesome. So, um, you know, I'm glad to see more people like that coming out and, and contributing to the retro gaming community. And uh, as much as there's also a lot of people out there selling cool stuff, I really like to see people cover ground that hasn't been covered yet. You know, like I don't want to see yet another N64 RGB board. Let's, let's spend our time on stuff like that that's you know, that no one's done yet. Later on in the day, uh, we actually had our panel, which uh, featured all the members of the Retro Roundtable, except Voltar, of course, so we had a printout of him that was hanging from the ceiling, uh, so he was there with us in spirit, um, and it was great. Uh, you know, it's, uh, the, uh, the way those panels always start out are pretty much the same, in that we kind of introduce ourselves and just give a background on RGB stuff. But uh, this one was cool because Mikael was uh, the same person I interviewed a while back about the MSU audio hacks. He was involved in this, and uh, he kind of hosted it, which, uh, you know, sometimes that really helps to make things go a little bit smoother. And also, it's always the audience feedback that I love. You know, there's a bunch of great questions, and the people there were awesome. So thanks to everybody that showed up. And, you know, the questions that we get are, are very often more interesting than what we talk about because not only do we get to you know help people that have questions about stuff, but everybody brings a different perspective to the table. So when we hear back from people, we're able to talk about newer and cooler things, really. So thanks again to everybody that showed up. I really appreciated it. Um, and also, Rene did a panel right afterwards about his Teensy cartridge dumper that I, I liked that. I, I really, you know, it, I guess if you've worked with that stuff before, um, it's not as impressive as it was to me, but uh, I liked the product and I liked his presentation. And, uh, you know, overall, I mean, I thought the whole day went really well. The only problem I had was right about this time of our panel, the uh, camera in my phone died. Now, I guess this is a known thing with the latest iPhones where, like, the camera, you know, it breaks a little bit. Maybe it was bad solder joints or something. And it's happened before. I just never had a chance to swap it out. So I did not get video footage of the Windjammers tournament, which was pretty cool. Uh, Scott entered that, and he did pretty well, but lost. Sorry, Scott. Um, but afterwards, we all ended up going to uh, Arcade Montreal, I think that's what it's called. Uh, and it was, it was pretty neat. I really liked it. Um, it was small, so they had a very limited selection of arcade games, but the beer was good, and they had a whole section with console games as well. And I get, um, you know, I didn't talk to the owners, I didn't really do anything other than hang out for a while, but based on how it was decorated and how it was set up, I get the distinct feel that the people there really do care about gaming. Whereas, you know, like the story I told a few months ago, there was a barcade uh, that I went to that it was very clear that they were doing it ironically and didn't give a shit about gaming, the consoles, the games, anything. Whereas this arcade, um, it was, you know, to me, I got the distinct impression that, you know, they're just, they're fans of old gaming and they wanted to keep it going. So uh, it's Arcade MTL, so Arcade Montreal, uh, and that was um, right in the, uh, the city on St. Dennis Street. So if you live around there, definitely check it out. And, uh, you know, the the arcade machines were cool, but their console section was pretty cool, too. So that was awesome. Um, and then we all, we all went back to the hotel, and we finally got a little bit of service. So we were able to do a very quick live stream of the, the podcast. Uh, and we basically was just a recap of what we did. 
And while uh, I often have a beer in hand while doing the podcasts, and while we all joke about me being drunk, that was actually the first time I was dr- drunk on the podcast. So uh, it was ba- basically a quick recap of the day, so we didn't leave it up on the YouTube thing. We just did the live stream. But um, yeah, for anybody that was on that, I'm sorry. I got a little silly. But you no, know, that's it was 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning, something like that. So I get, I feel like I get a little bit of a pass for that one. Uh, and I guess Voltar was able to jump on text for that, but not on video. So hopefully we will have him there next time with us for real and not just in spirit. But um, overall, I just had a blast. And unfortunately, though, the two other things I wanted to do was I wanted to talk to Jeremy, who was, uh, helped run the, the whole uh, festival. Um, and I wanted to get more footage of the tournaments and everything else. So while I can't go back in time, I can certainly have Jeremy on here to talk with me now. So uh, I just want to do a, a very quick interview with Jeremy talking about how the podcast, or podcast, geez, how the expo got started uh, and what's the future plans for it. So uh, here we go. Hey guys, I'm here with Jeremy from the Montreal Retro Gaming Festival and RetroGamer.ca. Um, as everybody would expect, I think the first thing I have to ask you is, could you please tell me the correct way to pronounce your name? Because I know I'm screwing that up. <laughs> well, you can pronounce it as an American, so you could say Jeremy, so that's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. What's the correct French pronunciation, though? <laughs> Jeremy. Gotcha. All right. So it's kind of <laughs> close. It's not like when I screwed up Mikael's name. <laughs> no, but yeah, you pronounce it right now, so that's okay. Gotcha. Well, um, thanks for jumping back on Skype and doing this. I really wanted to do it live in person at the actual festival, but my phone camera died halfway through the day. Yeah, so I, figured, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, good follow-up. But um, <laughs> I wanted to ask, uh, I guess, what's your role in all this, and how did this all get started? Because I'm always really interested in you know, how things like this that are successful even start in the first place. Okay. So, well, it's... Um... It's a long story. Well, as you can hear, I'm coming from France, and uh, I used to go around a lot in, you know, retro conventions and stuff like that in France. It was like it was really different uh, from what I saw uh, when I moved my, when I moved to Canada, uh, because uh, the focus was uh, on in Canada. The focus was on the like on the sales and. Um, um, exchange and you know buying games and stuff like that and there was no place for you know like showing the showing the machines showing the computers the consoles and everything and people playing on it and that really annoyed me because I was used to that and I thought it was a shame not to share you know the passion in fact mm-hmm. but the festival was not the first thing we did because in the first place when I came in uh, to Canada I uh, Retro Gamer was only a, a website, a news website, in fact. We, mm-hmm. we only did this and nothing else. Uh, all in French, because it's in French Canada. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, going on, uh, we opened a YouTube channel, we did a few podcasts, and at some point I wanted to, you know, create the, our own festival, our own thing. Mm-hmm. And we came from, uh, we came a long way, because the first two editions were in the, in the basement of, um, you know, a... Uh, What's the name? What well, you keep a small small children a kinder kindergarten uh, place. a school just a, an elementary no, 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 school before school you know a preschool a preschool yeah basement of a preschool huh. <laughs> there were like fifteen people it was really you know the beginning and then you know one thing leading to another it get it got bigger and bigger so yeah so how many years have you been doing this 
so RetroGamer.ca started in 2013, uh, in summer of 2014, 13, so it's almost four years now. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, we were doing the festival every six months, and uh, we thought it was a bit of you know, of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, we decided to move it to only one one time per year. And that's more than enough, I think. Gotcha. Well, I, I think um, you definitely accomplished your goal. And I even uh, talked about this on the podcast. I recorded it before this interview, so I'm not just repeating you. Okay. Um, but I, uh, I absolutely think you accomplished your goal of of being able to have something where people could go in and experience these games the way they should. And yes, yeah. you had vendors, and yes, they were selling a bunch of cool stuff, but I think the focus was on the games and the community, which I, I really loved. I thought that was awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, that's why we we are welcoming vendors anyway, but we limit them. We we don't want to... They have to be like 10 or 15% of the show. Mm-hmm. We, we only want to be a big room with you know lots of you know consoles and computers to play on, mm-hmm. and that's it. And of course, on the side, the small... The talks and the panels and stuff like that. So on uh, on each of the setups, there were CRT TVs. Um, do people yeah. bring their own? Is that a collection that that RetroGamer.ca holds? Is that just a little bit of everybody's? Well, actually, so at the start, at the beginning of RetroGamer.ca, we were only two people. Uh, uh, the other guy was a French guy too. It's uh, but sadly he isn't with us anymore. Um, uh, and then now we are seven people. Because along the way, again, you know, some people joined and uh, some people helped. And uh, I thought they, it would be a good idea if they stayed with us. So they stayed with us. <laughs> and uh, so we are bringing all our stuff. So everything you see at the festival is all, you know, our gear, our collections from the seven of us. And of course, as as in Europe, as all the conventions I saw in Europe, um, most, like, almost all of them were based on the fact that people were bringing their own machine and the organizers were not bringing any machines. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's like a, a bit like a demo party, but it was more for games. People used, you know, would bring all their collections to show other people. So I'm trying also to get this ID. So we leave a few tables for people that want to bring their own stuff. And some people do. Um, some people we know also bring, you know, very rare stuff like the, like the laser active we had uh, yeah. this weekend. And, uh, you know, last year there was an FM Towns Marty, stuff like that. Stuff we don't see very often. Mm -hmm. uh, Everybody's welcome to bring down stuff because we leave um, CRT TVs available for them. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, I I see that one behind you. Is that the same one you brought to the show, the Sony PVM? Yeah, that's one of the the PVMs that were there, yeah. That one is in perfect condition. Don't ever sell that. That thing's awesome. (laughs) Well, I I got it for 50 bucks, so (laughs) I'm quite proud of it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. The other other PVM I've got is an older model, like from 92, and got it for free. So, you know, I I don't complain. (laughs) That's awesome. I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So, uh, for next year's uh, festival, it's going to be about the same time of year, I would assume, springtime. Yeah, we we will keep it in springtime because you know the weather is good. Um, contrary to the winter, which is very cold in Canada, <laughs> the summer can be very very hot too. So we we you know we are aiming for uh, like um, spring or before we were aiming for autumn, but we will keep it in spring now all the time. 
Yeah, that uh, it really surprised me when I was up there. I brought a jacket figuring, well, I'm going to Canada. Of course I need a jacket. But I didn't wear it once. It was the same temperature no. as it was in New York City. So yeah, it's a good yeah. time of year to have it, I guess. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, we'll be the same time of year. I think the same setup. And uh, maybe we'll be back in the big room because, you know, this year we had uh, trouble with the organization of uh, the college, the college where we were at. And we had to change rooms at the last time. But... Usually we have a bigger room, so next year hopefully we'll get the bigger room back. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, I'm definitely, you know, I'll definitely continue to spread the word about it. And uh, I, I mean, I was really impressed. You know, it, I guess quant quality over quantity. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a ten thousand person festival, but no, you know, it was kind of small. But the people there, a lot of people stayed almost all day. Which yeah, was we, really cool. Yeah, we had people. Uh, we have like some. Uh, Usual people always staying there up to the end. And the thing I like about it is that it's like a community. You know, people stay up to 10 o'clock at night and they help us. They help us pack up. So And they pay for the entrance. But they are so pleased with the day. They just, you know, help us. And that's very nice. That's really great. That's a good, uh, you know, that's just a testament to the work that you guys do. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks again for everything. Thanks again for for dealing with a bunch of Americans as guests there. Uh, you know, we're oh. the only panel in English, I think, besides. Uh... <laughs> that's okay. You know, small a lot of people uh, are talking English, speaking English in Montreal, so that's okay. Yeah, and just uh, I probably don't even need to say this, but for anybody that might be visiting around Montreal in the same time, um, well, uh, everybody there uh, either spoke English perfectly or was was patient enough to deal with you know me and only speaking one language so if you happen to be in the area next year and you don't speak french don't don't even worry about it just show up everybody's very cool yeah so. yeah of course all right well thank you again for your time and everything and uh no problem you know, it was a pleasure having having you at the festival with the other guys ah thank you very much i appreciate it all right take care take care